Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. Hour number two of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you on a Friday. I'm Boyd Matheson. And uh, as we always do at the uh, top of each hour uh, here on Inside Sources, we, we want to start challenging a few things, some things that have been in the news for a while, some things that uh, we have some pretty strong uh, beliefs about or thinking we know what we know. And so in the top of the two o'clock hour, we're going to look at the Supreme Court and it's time for us to reexamine what we believe we know. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. All right, so let's think again about uh, the whole issue of the Supreme Court and what it means. Uh, There are many, if you watched any of the press conferences over the last couple of days, uh, you would think that the democracy is in crisis, uh, that the only solution is to expand the Supreme Court, uh, and uh, it just is not. That is not the case. And so we need to, to think again about what we know and where we are and what's going on, because there is a, a boatload of rhetoric uh, from both sides of the political aisle. We've got a hand wringing on the left and a hand wringing on the right. And what we really need to do is let freedom ring uh, across the board and go back to the document and look at the things that uh, we have and the things that we need as it relates to the Supreme Court. Uh, but before we get to any of the rhetoric, uh, I just want to lay down what the the source of the current crisis is, if you can call it a crisis. I think it's a manufactured crisis. Uh, But a lot of the rhetoric right now is coming from the fact that the Supreme Court is political for a reason that we often do not talk about. And this is what we have to think again about. The reason that the court is so political is because Congress is failing to do their job. And Congress continues to abdicate its power to the executive branch. And here's what happens when Congress doesn't want to do its job because it doesn't want to be held accountable. Because if you get held accountable, the way you get held accountable is you lose power. And nobody in Congress wants that. So you abdicate your power. So that way you can just say, well, it's not my fault. It's, you know, it's the executive branch. And the executive branch, by the way, regardless of whether there is a Republican in the White House or a Democrat in the White House, is all too happy to take whatever power that Congress is willing to abdicate, and they will then use it. And often it comes in the form of an executive order. 
And then once the executive order is signed by a president and whatever the regulation or the rule or the law becomes, immediately a court case is filed. A lawsuit is filed. And it begins to wend its way through the lower courts and then it gets to the upper courts and the ultimately ends up at the Supreme Court. And so we, we have to think again about why we're even having a real political conversation about the Supreme Court. And it's because Congress is failing to do their job, to do their responsibility. So we have to hold them accountable for that. Otherwise, we end up with an entire week this week of this kind of rhetoric. Uh, so let's let's go back first. Let's start with uh, the current occupant of the White House, President Joe Biden. Uh, back in uh, October of last year in an interview on 60 Minutes, when he was asked about the Supreme Court, he said this. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. So... The president, obviously, uh, in the past, has been very worried about uh, any changes to the Supreme Court. Uh, when he was in the United States Senate, he gave a fiery speech uh, about adding seats uh, to the Supreme Court, even even called FDR uh, boneheaded for trying to add uh, in the court packing uh, after his big win. And, of course, he wanted a Supreme Court that would uphold the, the New Deal uh, efforts that he was leading out on. And it it did take a Democrat, by the way, back then to stand up to FDR and say, not so fast, my friend, Uh, we're not going to do that. And it was the Judiciary Committee chair uh, who stood up and said, no, we're just not going to do that. And they they uh, postponed it. They dragged it out for a while. And ultimately that that went away. So uh, that's where the president has been on it. Uh, sadly, standing in front of the United States Supreme Court yesterday uh, in an effort uh, led by uh, Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, uh, they really started to show what this issue is really all about. The Republicans stole two seats on the Supreme Court, and now it is up to us to repair that damage. So I, I'm not quite sure that one uh, quite flies, <laughs> that uh that the Republicans stole something, and so because they stole something, we're going to change something so that we can get uh, the power that we want. Uh, and this is the beginning of what would make the Supreme Court uh, the ultimate political football. Uh, let, let's go now to uh, Representative Jerry Nadler, uh, who just says, well, you know, there's there's just not enough justices. Uh, there's just not enough justices to get this done. The Supreme Court accepts certiorari, accepts cases in a tiny, tiny fraction of cases. And that means that most cases, the vast majority of cases, the overwhelming majority of cases, don't get considered by the Supreme Court, which they are entitled to do and throughout much of our history did. Our predecessors made eminent sense when they rigged, when they pegged the size of the Supreme Court to the number of judicial circuits. As our country has grown, so too to the Supreme Court. Thirteen justices for thirteen circuits is a logical progression. I, I wonder if that was a Freudian slip there by uh, Representative Nadler, where he said they rigged the size of the Supreme Court rather than they pegged the size uh, of the Supreme Court. Because when you're doing it for political purposes, uh, it's just not going to fly. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked about the proposal uh, from this group uh, to change the number of Supreme Court justices to 13. And here's how Speaker Pelosi responded. I have no plans to bring it to the floor, no. It's not out of the question. It has been done before. 
in the history of our country a long time ago. And the growth of our country, the size of our country, the growth of our challenges in terms of the economy, etc., uh, might necessitate such a thing. Okay, so I do applaud the speaker for saying, hey, no, we're not going to take this uh, particular course up. She did say she was supportive of the uh, effort that President Joe Biden has, the commission he's created to explore and analyze what is going on at the Supreme Court and uh, anything that might be changes in terms of term limits or lifetime appointments, uh, numbers and so on. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, tapping the brakes on this is the the right thing to do. Uh, but here's the cautionary thing that we all need to think again about. If if we make this kind of, of change to the Supreme Court and the Senate would have to do uh, kind of the ultimate end of the uh, filibuster and a complete nuclear option uh, to get this through the Senate, uh, and then it would become pretty standard operating procedure. Of if we go to 13 now and uh, the court starts to tilt to the left, then the next time the Republicans are in control, uh, there's going to be an add to 15 or 17 or 21, uh, and it will go back to the right, and then this will become the new way to do that. Uh, and the problem with all of that, and justices from across the political spectrum, from Justice Ginsburg before she passed away, Justice Breyer from the left to Justice Gorsuch on the right, uh, have all said, look, we must maintain trust, we have to have trust in the judicial branch. Uh, Currently, trust in Congress is about 11%. Uh, Trust in presidential administrations is not much higher than that. Uh, But we have a lot of trust still for the Supreme Court of the land. And the one thing that we all have to think again about is if we allow the Supreme Court to become a political football, and if we allow it to become a a political weapon uh, for running campaigns, if, I, if I'm elected, we're going to expand to 17 and we're going to move it to the left or to the right. Uh, we're going to lose trust in that. And the one thing that we are not certain of in this country is we've seen freedom face all kinds of challenges, all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of hardship. But what we do not know is if that freedom, if our constitutional republic can stand in the absence of trust, Uh, in all three branches of government. And that's a risk that we should think again about. And it's a risk that we just shouldn't take. When we come back, uh, we're going to get you ready for your weekend by getting you thinking about some things that are essential and how you make those essential things easier to do. An important conversation with Greg McEwen. You don't want to miss this coming up next on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.